Well, in the beginning of December, Kern County set a record. Wow, a record. We hit something that uh, we hadn't hit before, a mark that no one would have seen coming. On Panama Lane, the 52nd and 53rd pedestrian was killed this year alone. A 17, or excuse me, a 19-year-old male went to a bus stop to walk his 10-year-old sister home, and they were struck and killed. Statewide, this past week, citizens of the Golden State were given a mandate that they would be required to wear a mask until the 15th of January while in indoor public settings, regardless of vaccination status, ramping up the fear of contracting the COVID-19 virus, which has been with us since 2020. Nationally, racial unrest, political unrest, blatant violent crimes, crash, break, dash and crash, boom and rob, everywhere, being more common than ever before. Gang violence, familial violence, that has gotten progressively worse. Worldwide, during 2021, there have been ter territorial disputes, civil wars, political instability, transnational terrorism, and sectarian and religious violence. Now, most of that, of what I just mentioned there, that's far away from us. 80% of it is in Africa and Asia. But because of the Insta News and anything that we see online and anything that we receive by text, you have received some of these texts that we received on time, what was happening in Nigeria, whole cities being taken hostage. Just three Saturdays ago, at that intersection, an older couple was stopped at a red light, and thugs came from a car behind them and broke windows in that car, trying and attempting to grab packages out of the old folks' car. Three Saturdays ago, there. I could go on, but safe to say, in most places, there isn't peace on earth. Quite the opposite, there's enmity and just plain old hostility. Hostility that often is in our own homes and even within our own spirits. Well, there's also enmity and hostility between the Creator and His creatures. The world lacks what it wants and needs most, peace. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. Well, this morning we conclude the Advent series, What's in a Name? We're the promised Messiah, the Son that is to be given 
to us is described with, we know it, four names. Four names that are his character. They aren't what he signs the check by. It's not what his first name is. It is his character. They define who he is. And this morning we'll examine the last of the four. He, Jesus, he is the prince of peace. Out of respect to God's word, I invite you to stand as I read this morning's passage. If you have your Bibles, open it up to Isaiah chapter 9. If you need a Bible, there should be one in front of you. There are blue ones. You'll find this passage on page 573. The word of the Lord. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former times, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoiced before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in, in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And our verse, where we have been given the four names, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. May God bless the reading of his word and may it point us to Jesus as of all these names have done. Lord God, we thank you. Please be seated. Well, as I began earlier of recalling what has taken place near to us, as close as the light across the street or at the street and across the world and in very, very recent past, and to look back to Isaiah's uh, days, some 2,700 years ago, give or take a few, things were then as they are now. Things haven't changed. People were looking forward in, in anticipation for coming peace. In verse 5, which we just read, the prophet writes, for every boot of the trampling warrior and battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. This is battle clothes, their uniform, their gear, their AR-15s. 
their swords, their bayonets, their grenades. Well, they probably didn't use their grenades because those would explode if they put, put them on the fire. But they're going to be burned up for heat. What a beautiful picture. How? And who will get us there? Isaiah tells us. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And everything that will take place, everything relating to world affairs that is and will be directly linked to this baby. This baby. And this baby, the government will be upon his shoulder, which means he will carry the burden. He will be responsible for it all. This baby, four names. We've heard them for the past four weeks. I know you know them from before, but four names, four characteristics that set him apart from anybody who has come or will come. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, a divine counselor, mighty God, mighty God because he will be able to make his plans come to pass. Everlasting Father, not an eternal Father, but He will be like a Father for eternity. He cares for each and every one of you. And today, Prince of Peace, describing who Jesus is, as one man has said, and I quote, if we would have peace, it is to that child we must go. A child is born. He's the Prince of Peace. And there's no peace except that which is found in Him. That is a bold statement. A very bold statement. And today I'd like to take some time to focus this morning not on peace between nations, but peace closer to home. Worldwide peace will someday come to pass. Worldwide peace when Jesus himself reigns from Jerusalem on David's throne. He will reign for a thousand years. But by closer to home, I mean peace that's personal. Peace that's personal to you, to you, to you, to you, to you. Because that's the only thing that's going to make a difference in this world. Peace to you. Peace that gives meaning and purpose to life. I don't know if you've noticed this before, but peace isn't found in an online catalog. You can't go to Amazon and buy peace, although we try, don't we? Peace isn't found in a job, peace isn't found in a degree. Peace isn't found in a significant other. It's peace isn't found in a child. Peace isn't found in a home renovation. Peace isn't found in a gift under a tree or even a response to a gift under a tree. And we don't need to go very far with that one, do we? I know that I don't. How many times have I tried to buy peace? When we get something that we've always wanted. And what do we do? It's called day two. 
Day two on a car. That's when we put the headers. That's when we put the intake manifold. That's when we change everything over. That's just me. How about a house, ladies? It's the house I've always wanted. Not to say that's a bad thing. Boom, renovation. They have an old industry for that. Well, how about this? Just for the sake of argument, you do acquire everything that you want and everything that you need. More than that, I mean, just more, everything that you want. I want this. I want this. You might even have, you have so much that maybe even a town is named after you. Do you know I have a street named after me? It's right over there. It's after my family. Wow, we're famous, right? I'll have an Old Testament poet make my point for me. He said, why should I fear in times of trouble when, when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life, for the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. That he should live on forever and never see the pit? For he sees that even the wise die. And the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. You can acquire everything, but guess what? You're still going to end up on a slab. You're still going to die someday. And that is not a good thought. Whether you graduate from an Ivy League school or a high school dropout, you die. But you might say, and accurately, there's more to life than material wealth. What about gaining wisdom? I'm going to gain wisdom. I'm going to, I'm going to search that out. I'm going to, ask, I'm going to do everything I can. What about experiencing leisure? Go on vacation for a, a week, a year at a time. How about building a legacy? Wow, that's got to be something. Don't get mad at me. How about using numbing substances? Just having plain old stuff. You know what's been tried already? The preacher, also known as Solomon in Ecclesiastes, searched out every, sought after every one of those things that I just read. And he ultimately came to this conclusion. He said, vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity, meaning it's like fog, Life is like fog. Stuff is like fog. Things are like fog. It comes, and then the, it goes. He had it all and gave nothing. It gave nothing but angst in return. People, things, and life have not changed. And no one wanted to believe it from Solomon. Man, you, you have all the... No, it can't be that way, and no one wants to believe it now. We seek peace, but there is no peace. 
without the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace, someone who is the embodiment of peace, someone who will see, but we will see, has achieved peace, and someone who, in knowing him, becomes our peace. Well, what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean that the child who is born and that the son who is given is the Prince of Peace? Well, ultimately this. Ultimately, he is the Prince of Peace whose coming brings peace. Whose coming brings peace. A prince at that time, they were expected to lead an army. In fact, they were required to. They had ultimate leadership. They had ultimate authority. And the promise of this coming prince reverberated seven centuries in the heart of those who looked forward from this time when this was written. They were expectantly waiting, and it finally, finally culminated in what Becky and David read this morning. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Well, notice something about this. It wasn't man achieving this goal for himself. It wasn't the religious elite achieving, wanting peace. It wasn't the shepherds even wanting peace. It was God coming down and giving peace. He was God coming down to us. Well, what is peace? Well, you've heard the word before, the Hebrew word shalom. It's a state of wholeness and harmony that's intended to resonate in all relationships. Alistair Begg is helpful here, and I've used much of his teaching here in this series. He speaks about peace that the Prince of Peace will bring, and I quote, Now clearly this peace is something more than just the absence of warfare or even the presence of an inner sense of tranquility or well-being or the enjoyment of harmony amongst all those who were previously feuding all of those things are inevitably limited in their duration. There has been no lasting peace since the Garden of Eden. Let that last sentence sink in. There has been no lasting peace since the Garden of Eden. What happened there? Sin. But what kind of peace is being promised and provided by this son? Look at verse 7 of Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9, chapter 7. Now, I put that up there so you're not going to miss it. So you're going to get this answer right. I think it shows up. Yeah, it's not bad. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be be no end. Eternal. And this promise of peace was and is given to a group of people who constantly were being harassed by their enemies. Sound familiar? We might not have physical enemies. We don't have oftentimes a gun put at our head but we do have enemies. 
It's hard to live in 2021. God wishes those who he loves to have peace. And peace is so important that it was given as a blessing from God. You've heard it often from me. It was given from God to Moses, from Moses to Aaron, and Aaron to the people. And I often end with it. I'm going to make sure I read it right because I often skip it and go to the last sentence. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to, upon you and give you what? Peace. It's from God and he wishes you to have it. Eternal peace. And there's never been this kind of eternal peace on the face of the earth. Never. Physical peace. But if this peace is eternal... And it is. If this peace is found in the Prince of Peace, who is the wonderful Counselor, mighty God, and everlasting Father, what does it mean and how does it work? All right, I'm cutting to the chase. What does it mean and how does it work? Because I want some of this. How do you get from the name the Prince of Peace to experience peace in your life? and ultimately in our community, the nation, the world, and the universe. The question is, question is, has he accomplished what he set out to do? Has he accomplished that? Can we, you, have peace that is promised even now? I think it's a legitimate question. I think it's one that everyone wants to understand? And the answer is this, yes. Would you turn in the New Testament book of Colossians, please? The book of Colossians. If you're using a blue Bible, that's page 983. You can find Colossians, it's towards the, I guess, the end of the book. It's about right here. Comes after Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians, then Colossians. And in chapter 1, verse 15 of Colossians, the writer introduces us to Jesus. He is the image, the likeness, the exact imprint of the invisible God. This is our Jesus. He's the firstborn of all creation, not meaning that he was born first, meaning he has supreme authority over everything that has ever been created. He's it. He's it. Verse 16 proclaims that he created everything, and this everything, it was for him. For him. And in verse 17, it declares, he holds everything together. Do you realize what would happen if he let go of the universe? Verse 19 reads, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, 
who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Now, if you're taking notes, I'd kind of like you to write the word alienated down. Just alienated. That's what we are or were. Alienated. Describing man's position, their condition. We're estranged. We're excluded. Who from? God. Alienated because of our thinking, our minds, the way that we believe, which manifests in the way that we act. It's said elsewhere in the Scriptures, we are separated from God. This is man, what John would say, man in a lost condition. And this is not a popular topic for discussion. You know why? Because we want to do everything ourselves. I'm good enough. I'm big enough. I'm bad enough. And I can do this. Yes, I am bad enough. We're self-reliant because there's no self-help book or course that will ever or will can make a difference. I can't go to make myself better for dummies. I guess I could. But it's not going to stop me or keep me from being alienated. Nor any amount of money, education, wisdom, whatever someone else would chase after or medicate with can remedy the fact that we are separated from God. Men and women, boys and girls, we're enemies of God. That's the natural state. And we think this way, we act this way, we turn our backs from his face. And you know what? We're not at peace. The world is not at peace. Because we're alienated from God, our relationships on earth are fractured too. You know, say what you will. We're broken people, and people who are left to ourselves don't often fare very well, do we? What hope do we have? What hope do we have for peace? Well, we've read what hope we've had for the past four weeks. We have this hope coming for peace. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. It's God that takes the initiative. It's God who comes down, who promises to come to us. It's God through His Son, prophesied in Isaiah 9, who takes on human flesh and provides for us a human, a Son, who represents all mankind. Which brings us to the second word. The first word, what? Alienated. The second, because of Christ, is reconciled. Reconciled. Back to verse 20. And through Him, which is Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. 
this Jesus, this son who was given, instead of shooting lightning bolts out of his eyes, no, I'm not going back to Revelation. Instead of shooting lightning bolts out of his eyes when people nailed him to the cross, he said what? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. He offered himself offers himself willingly and gives his life in exchange for those who were alienated. He reconciled, which means bring two parties together, two parties who have been estranged. Now, why are we estranged? Because of sin. God is holy. He is just. We're estranged because of our rebellion. We're estranged because of our indifference. You know, the things that bother us when we lay down on that pillow at night when we can't sleep and we twist and turn. And then after we've done that so often, what I'm saying, what what bothers us, we do it so often that we just get callous to it and it doesn't even bother us anymore. Our unbelief. What things? All of these sins that offend a holy God. All of these things that bring us angst and a lack of peace. And because all of these things that bring us angst and a lack of peace were taken by Jesus as he bled and died on a Roman cross. By the way, that should have been you, me on that cross. He took on sin so that you and we could be reconciled to God. Verse 22, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And that brings peace. That brings true peace. And that's why the Prince of Peace came, because we were alienated. He came and reconciled us to God. And once again, the truth from Isaiah's writings, we've gone to this, I believe, two times and now the third time. Once again, the truth from Isaiah's writing come into sharp, detailed focus. He, Jesus, was oppressed The son who was given was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. And then one verse prior, all we like sheep have gone astray. All means all. We have turned every one to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of God us all. That's why the Prince of Peace came. That's what the baby in a manger represents. The Prince of Peace who came to earth because mankind was alienated from God and because of our rebellion and sin, because of Christ's life and his atoning death, we have been reconciled to God, brought together, and have been given peace How do you get it? Believe. 
belief in Christ, belief in, and trust in his finished work, believing that Jesus, the divine son who was given, who came to earth, who lived a perfect life, never sinning one time in thought or deed, and because of that perfect life, he was able to take on the sins of the world upon himself, past, present, and future, dying and thus removing them as far as we led, read last week, from the east as from the west. That's a long ways. They're gone. And after dying, being raised from the dead, the first among many, never to die again. He did this because you could not. Have you trusted him for your eternity? Have you? Or have you just gone to church? Or have you just come sang in a children's choir. I'll pick on them. They're not here. They have to make a choice. They have to make a choice to say, yes, I accept what you have done for me. I turned from doing this my own way. I turned from trying harder. And I turned to you I turn to you, the one who has lived perfectly, who is my life. I accept what you've done for me, and I believe. Which brings the question to why does it matter? Because he is what he has accomplished. Because he because what he has accomplished brings true peace. These verses give the answer. They're found in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we, also, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Until this year, there's been a constant through the United, throughout the United States. And this is a constant since 1965. What am I talking about? Well, Joel kind of mentioned it earlier. He didn't know I was going to talk about this, but uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Charlie Brown Christmas. It's been a staple since 1965 and until this year has been played on network television. So you could either watch it on ABC, CBS, NBC, but you can't do that this year. Don't fear. It's on tonight at 7.30 on PBS if you want to watch it. Why PBS? I don't know. I just found this out on the Google machine. You know it's remained unchanged? Even though it tells the real story about Christmas, 
Now, I bring this to your attention because a writer named Jason Sorosky wrote a post a few years ago that is very relevant to our topic this morning. He wrote it, and it's titled, The Moment You Never Noticed in a Charlie Brown Christmas. And I'm going to close with it. Sorosky writes, in a world where the latest, greatest technology is out, outdated in a matter of months, and social media trends come and go in a matter of days, over 50 years of anything becomes quite meaningful. Charlie Brown is best known for his uniquely striped, striped shirt, and Linus is most associated with his ever-present security blanket. And throughout the story of Peanuts, Lucy, Snoopy, Sally, and others all work to no avail to separate Linus from this blanket. And even though this security blanket remains a major force of ridicule or source of ridicule for the otherwise mature and thoughtful Linus, he simply refuses to give it up. Until this moment, when he simply drops it. Now, I know you're going to go watch this at 7.30, tonight. In that climatic scene, when Linus shares what Christmas is all about, he drops his security blanket, and I am now convinced that this is intentional. Most telling is a specific moment he drops it, when he utters the words, fear not. Now think of that. Looking at it now, it's pretty clear that Charles, what Charles Schultz was saying, and it's so simple, it's brilliant. The birth of Jesus separates us from our fears. The birth of Jesus frees us from the habits we're unable or unwilling to break ourselves. The birth of Jesus allows us to simply drop the false security we have been grasping so tightly and learn to trust and cling to him instead. The world of 2021, and I'm inserting 2021 instead of five years ago, can be a scary place. And most of us find ourselves grasping to what something temporal for security, whatever that thing may be. Essentially, 2021 is a world in which it is very difficult for us to fear not. But in the midst of fear and insecurity, this simple cartoon image from 1965 continues to live on as inspiration for us to seek true peace and true security in the one place it has always been and can always still be found. Close quote. The New Testament describes at least three spheres of this peace the peace that Jesus provides. First, he provides peace with God. We're no longer enemies. That's the vertical dimension. He provides the peace of God, and this takes place internally. And it also provides peace with others, and this happens horizontally. Jesus has come to put us back together, as Ephesians 2.14 says, 
for he himself is our peace. I ask you this question. Are you out of sorts with God? Are you good? If you are out of sorts, receive the Prince of Peace today. Admit that you've sinned. Admit that you can't do it on your own and that you trust him. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved every single time. Believe and you will live. You will have peace with God. Are you shaken up on the inside? Uh Uh-oh, I'm starting to preach now, huh? Are you shaken up on the inside? Give all your anxiety to the Almighty and his unexplained peace will give you calm in the midst of chaos. One of my favorite verses, cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. Are your relationships with others undone? Do you need to reconcile with someone here, someone at home? Do the hard work of being a peacemaker and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. For to us a child is born To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Lord God, we thank you for the son that you have given. We would be helpless without him. We give you honor. We give you thanks. Thank you for that peace. I pray these things in Christ's name, amen.